They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinibaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. We just had a wonderful conversation with our bishop, Jim Hazelwood. Yes, and we also had him on the podcast. And we had him in person. <laughs> I know. This is, with the amount of traveling this guy does, it is so... It's such a good thing to be able to sit down with him in person and to be able to talk about his new project, Everyday Spirituality. Yeah, so what do you make of the topic? It's a pretty big topic. It is pretty big, and, and the way that he has broken it down into certain certain aspects is, I think is helpful, but you know, we just spent a couple of minutes trying to distill it even further to talk about it here on the podcast, and there's a lot that goes into spirituality, people's perception of spirituality, and then it's also a very individual thing. What might be spiritual for me might not be spiritual for you. So we want to be a little helpful as we talk about it and as we get closer and closer to the book launch to really figure out how can we be connecting with this kind of immense topic. Yeah, I think, and part of what he was trying to... um break apart, I think, is a little, a little bit, is that we try to differentiate parts of our lives from the non-spiritual, secular stuff to the more spiritual, religious stuff. Right. And I think what he's trying to do is bridge that gap in a way that says, well, whatever we're doing has a component of that or is, is related to it or is maybe a more holistic approach, perhaps, to how we think about our spirituality. Right, and and I see myself doing that even as as a pastor. You know, yeah, I I have certain ways that I connect with people when I'm at church versus non-church versus friends who are religious versus non-religious, and activities that I do that are connected to my faith, and then activities that I do that are not connected to my faith. But one of the things that he's saying is those those can all be seen as spirituality. When I'm going to the grocery store, when I'm exercising. That is a time for me to practice my spirituality, and and sometimes I don't think that. Sometimes I think I need to be connected to the church or thinking about Scripture or praying in order for me to be connected to God, where God, if I truly believe that God is active in all that I do, I can be connected in my faith in everything that I do. I think that makes sense. I think the whole idea that um, in baptism we're connected that our lives take us wherever they are. It's not just about being in a building or doing a certain task, right? I mean, it's... Right. We've got... Um, you know, if, if the whole center of our faith is loving God and loving others, then the question is just, well, how am I participating in that right now? Right. Whatever I'm doing or whoever I'm with or, or maybe I'm by myself. Seems to me a lot of experiences that I've had around spirituality, I benefit from being around other people while doing it rather than myself. Mm. Like I have a hard time saying morning prayer or going through like a liturgy. Yep. Um, I know a lot of pastors do that or, or a lot of people do that. I kind of need some others to help me do that. Right. Because I, otherwise I get distracted too easy, I think is really what it comes down to. Or I forget one day or I've got something else going on or whatever. Always a million ex- excuses, but 
I think um, corporately doing stuff together in a community helps. I think it does. And that's one of the things that we really didn't talk with the bishop we about, you know, is if we take this to one extreme everyday spirituality, if I am connected with God when I'm grocery shopping or going for a run or just walking, then why do I need church? Right. Like I have a group on Wednesday mornings. We eat breakfast together. We read the readings for Sunday and talk about them. And then not everybody, but most of the people in that group, after we're done cleaning up, we go in the church and then we have a a short version of morning prayer that we do together. And that's the only time I do it all week. Mm -hmm. And I I like it. I look forward to doing it. it. It's nice to do it with others, but I wouldn't do that on my own. Right. I do pray when I run sometimes. If I'm not listening to something or trying to think of something I need to work on or figure out, um, and usually in between those things, those kinds of things happen. I don't know if I would say I'm going on a run as a spiritual practice, perhaps, but maybe I should. Maybe I should think about it that way. But also there's there's an opportunity to do that, right? right. It's, it's not like I'm going for a run, so I'm going to pack Jesus up in my little box That's and right. put him, leave him at home. It's That's right. You know, if I choose to have that opportunity to think about my faith, then that's that's going to be there. And maybe it doesn't even have to be, and maybe this is where he's going with it, is it, you don't have to necessarily make that connection. The fact that you are outside and you are connected right. to the world around you and you are doing something active and using the body that God gave you and letting your mind wander where it will is a spiritual exercise right. in itself. Right. And a couple of years ago, as... Uh, Reach the beach, and we've talked about that right. on here a couple of times. It's a 200-mile relay race in New Hampshire, and both Jeff and I have participated in various ways, and it's a huge fundraiser for Camp Calumet, a camp that we're connected to. So as chaplain of Reach the Beach, I have prepared a, a little devotional for uh, the runners uh, the night before the race starts, and... One year I talked about uh, what I call Twitter prayers, right? So this idea of, you know, if you are running and you are exerting yourself and you feel that uh, you don't have any more to give, but you want to give more and you just need to have a prayer, just little phrases, you know, God be with me, and just repeating that over and over again, or um, God is my strength, or help me God, I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, just to, to... have that opportunity where some of the people who participate in Reach the Beach are not church-going people. Right, that's right. And if this is maybe your one time of the year when you connect with your faith a little bit, this is an opportunity to do so. The primary reason for Reach the Beach and people participating is their love for camp and their love to help other people, especially kids, get to camp. So, uh, And that's a beautiful thing, and that in and of itself is, is a very spiritual thing. But to have a deeper opportunity to do that. I know uh, I'm not a runner, but I've done that when I go swimming and just, you know, one stroke at a time and thinking about that and how I'm connected to things that are larger than just myself. Yeah, I think the thinking of things larger than just yourself is kind of the key point. So I am a runner. I do run a lot. But I would say for me, there's a difference between me just running or even training running for a big race or something like that, which I've done. It's different when I'm doing it with other people. Mm-hmm. There is another depth to it. So like Reach the Beach in particular. I don't know if I would just go do Reach the Beach. It's that crazy of a 
concept. Yeah, yeah. Like whenever I explain it to people, they're like, you're doing what? Like why are you <laughs> why? running a whole state in two days? I'm like, well, I'm not doing it. I'm part of this group and it's about yeah, camp. Yeah. Da, da, da. But I would say, you know, since I've done it a number of years, I look forward to the community of the people that I'm going to be with, even though the players change every year and even though the people that you're in the van with is different every year. Yep. There is a component of that that is kind of campy. You know, you, mm-hmm. you come together from all these places and then you form this little community. But it it it's spiritual in that way for me because it's like, okay, yeah, I get to be part of this larger thing that is crazy. And at the same time, it you know it's doing good in the world or at least trying to. And you get to do your little part. Yeah, yeah. And by participating in it, you're doing your little part. Yeah. And, and, and making those connections. Whereas me just running on an afternoon, I do it for exercise. I do it because it's on my schedule to run it. Some days it really is just drudgery. I guess our spiritual lives are like that. It can be, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying for me, I when I when there's a community aspect to it, I think I'm going to be more attached to it than if it was just myself. Right. I, right. That's the point I'm trying to make, I guess. And that's, I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just that works for me better. Right. And that's one of the reasons why to be connected to a church. Like, right. yes, you can't practice your spirituality on your own. You can't be connected to God. There's no need for intercessor um, on your behalf um, as a pastor or, or whatnot. But it can be so much better when you are connected to a community and the community can help you be accountable, can, can help lift you up when you're down, can, you know, one of the things, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Luther says something like this, is that it's okay if you don't believe because we are here to believe on your behalf. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but there's a lot of truth in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there are times where you need that community to lift you up when you just can't. Right. Absolutely. And then you hope it works the other way for others. Right. right? I mean, there's days where you're feeling stronger and more in tune. I think it's a really great topic, this book, in the sense of, I think even defining the word spirituality probably has a lot of baggage with it because people aren't sure quite what to do with it. I I suppose for people that are, are quote, more churchy, unquote, maybe they think it's a little out there. Yeah. Perhaps. Or people that are not connected at all might think, well, what is, what are you talking about actually? Like what's the, where's the rubber meet the road on this right. kind of stuff? But I think some people might be drawn to yeah. the title and the word spirituality because we yeah. hear a lot in the world today, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. Yeah, absolutely. I think in general, people want to be or feel that they are connected to a much larger experience than is just on the surface level. Right. And we can experience that in a lot of different ways. I think what he's trying to draw out there is we share these in common and we have a language for it, but maybe maybe we could explore that a little bit deeper. Yep. Yeah. Or just um, bring it around and in tune with other things that are going on. When we think about this topic and we think about, okay, in August we're, we're going to have the book and we're going to be able to read it and talk about it within our congregations... What do you hope that you and or your congregation can get out of thinking about spirituality in this particular way? Well, as uh, one of the things I just mentioned, I think it was near the end of our conversation, is I can see this being a nice uh, catalyst for helping people tell their own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, 
we have moved our confirmation process from kind of culminating on one day to more when kids are ready, mm-hmm. or even to ask the question if they're ready. The One of the byproducts has been, so when we've had confirmations, it's mostly been kids individually having that experience on a Sunday morning, or maybe a couple of them together, rather than a whole class effort. And so we've had them prepare some kind of a, I don't know if I'd call it a story, we I guess a faith statement, but it's not really like a doctrinal thing. It's more right. like name some of the experiences and people that got you here. Yep. Or some of the things you're still working on or questions you still have or things you've discovered. And those have been wonderful. We just had three kids confirmed recently. And to tell those stories and to have the watch the people in the congregation listening so intently to them not as a critique or you said this wrong or didn't get this perfectly correct, but to really have that witness shared yep, and receive it as that. It's been pretty powerful. That is powerful. For the young people especially. Yep. But I think for the whole congregation, it's really been a great experience. Rather than just you know hearing the sermon and singing the songs and praying the prayers, and, which are all great, and I think God... The bishop said the same thing. You know, those those are good. We're not getting rid of those. Right. But there is something also to having people share who they are in a real genuine way that adds more than you can actually put a handle on. Yeah. Yeah. Giving people that opportunity is pretty, pretty enriching. Yeah. One of the things that I hope that I can get out of this and my congregation can get out of this is really to make our churches a safe place to share spirituality. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that the bishop mentioned is that as the Lutheran Church, we don't necessarily talk about that as much as as we could or we should even, that when a lot of churches take the spirituality index, you know, it always falls on the lower side, and just hearing the fact that some people have had these significant spiritual experiences but are afraid or ashamed to tell them because of what others may think. And yeah. as we lift up more and more of these stories and say, these are experiences that people are ha- having, you may have these experiences too. It's okay that you, it may be a little different than what you may anticipate or expect, but it's your story. And you, the more that you can claim that, the more that you can name that, uh, the closer you can be with God and the closer you can be with other people, and who knows who may have the same experiences as you, and they can really, their faith can be enriched because of that. Absolutely. I think the other thing, just to go off the, you know, we always score low on those survey questions thing. I mean, I was thinking of a a few people in particular, one, a gentleman here who died a few years ago, who basically was the property committee. I mean, he he had a team of people, but he would walk around and just kind of tinker with stuff, and he knew what needed to get fixed when, and he had this whole calendar of just little lots and nine, you know, these weird little perky things that needed to happen, because this was before we did a building project, and the building was quirky. It yep. had all kinds of little personalities to it. He knew it in and out. Most people would look at the list of those things and just go, oh. There's just so much to do and never time to do it. And yeah. can we just hire somebody to do it? And he did it with just a joyful heart. He loved it. He he knew he was 
connecting in a different way. And even if he didn't have a language for it to say that was his spirituality, of course it was. It was, yeah. It was an act of devotion to care for this place where we gather yeah, uh, so faithfully. And I think being able to name that for people could be really helpful. Yeah. Really, yeah. really helpful. And one of the caveats, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, and yeah. it, the spirituality in that story is the act of giving, not yeah. necessarily the building. Because I think that oh, right, exactly. so much of our spirituality can be connected to certain places. And while I think that can be helpful, it also can be dangerous. Absolutely. And the other piece of it is it was it was done with a happy heart. Yeah. I mean, it was not just duty. Right. And um, sometimes we think of the things we do in that regard. It's yeah. just, yeah. somebody's got to do it, I guess I got to do it. Right. Um, never with this this wonderful man. He was very much just, he would do it. He'd be tinkering around on something, and you'd say hi to him, and he'd have a smile on his face. Yeah, and yeah. well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And so just to dig into that a little bit more of, our spirituality being connected to a, either a particular item or a particular place, again, which is not bad. I'm not saying that it, right. it's, it's something that we shouldn't do at all. My, a lot of my spirituality is connected to Camp Calumet, you know, a place right. that we mentioned earlier. It's a place that I, you know, first felt that I could be who I was called to be as a, as a teenager. It was a place in my 20s where I first heard my call to ministry, um, it's a place I go with friends and family every single year to be rejuvenated in my uh, spirituality and to be able to give back to others what Calumet has given to me. If I, if Calumet, for some reason, was to go away, I wouldn't say that, well, I'm never going to find another place to experience that again. It's going right. to be a little different, but it's a, it's a place. And I've seen a lot of people with their connection to church buildings, yep. certain certain things that say, church is never going to be the same again, uh, my spirituality is gone, or I'm never going to go to a church again if I cannot go to this particular building. Yeah, I've seen that many times. I thought about for myself, as you were talking about Calumet, I mean, I've been connected to a number of camps. Yep. And I will say, they're all different. They're all the same. Yep. But what it matters, it's the relationships that you have there. So it's not just the activities that you did and the things you did and all the reasons you named. It's it's the people that helped you get there, right? right? So again, it's a, that community piece. Because I've gone back to camps that I you know was really connected to exactly like that, and I don't know anybody there anymore. And it really it it is just a place. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I mean, I love it. Yep. If I went back there, I'd get nostalgic and go to the places where meaningful things happen, but there's not anything other than those spots there without the people that helped shape those spots. Right, right. So I think that that's part of it, too. Yeah, it's it's the people, the relationships, and yeah, that, that really kind of brings that out, definitely. Yeah, the, the other thing that I, I like about the everyday spirituality concept is if it really can be anywhere you are, you can bring that conversation into whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we do because we're pastors and that's kind of how we think about things. But for, let's just call them normal people. <laughs> um, you go to church, right? But to, to be church or to be a person of faith in the world, you bring that with you, whether you realize it or not. 
right? So you can add those things into the conversation without being too churchy or a holy roller or anything like that, but just to be, you know, you're in this space and you can be grateful or you can try to see some person who's having a hard time and try to encourage them somehow or whatever it is. Just bringing that element of... I don't know if I'd call it humility or gratitude or there's kind of some words that are lacking because we're talking about stuff that's beyond, right? Right. Um, how do you bring that just by your very presence, that kind of peacefulness and all that together for other people? You don't even have to be talking about God to do that. Right. Right. It's a mindfulness of yeah. other people's needs that are around you, and I think that's definitely in the category of just working to be more spiritual, be cognizant of the needs of others around you, definitely. Yeah. And I think, too, just just bringing these things together, because we often have that divided line between one category and another category. What's what's sacred and what isn't? Well, what if it's all sacred and we're all experiencing it in different ways? How can we articulate that? Yeah. I think an interesting conversation would be for the people, we, we touched on a little bit uh, with the bishop, but just how do you bring people into conversation that are maybe curious about church or spirituality in probably the more traditional quote-quote sense of the word, or are looking for a way to belong, you know, but they're not in yet. You know what I mean? They're, they're kind of longing for that. I I'm not going to say they're like visitors necessarily, but... You know what I mean? Yeah. The the people in our lives who are kind of, I don't even want to say on the edge, because there isn't an edge if everything's connected, right? But uh, to our communities of faith, to say, all right, here's a a body of people that are together doing church or being trying to be church together. And what about those folks who, who kind of long for that but aren't sure how to how to bridge that space between. Right. Maybe having some conversations about these types of ways of being. I don't know. I think it could be helpful. I, I think I think it can be helpful. And one of the things I think, for better or worse, what people are looking for, especially when it comes to their spirituality or faith, is a reason. What am I going to get out of it if I ascribe to your kind of belief or spirituality or religion or faith or whatever you're asking people to ascribe to, and if they see, well, yes, if you believe that when I'm doing my daily activities that I can be connected with God, and this is the benefit that that's going to bring into my life, well, then, yeah, maybe I do want to know a little bit more about that. Maybe I do want to search that out a little bit and see how much joy or excitement or relief or peace or hope or faith I can get for myself if I ascribe to to this. So so yeah, if you uh, have a running buddy and who might not be a spiritual person or who may be a spiritual person but not necessarily a religious person or maybe doesn't go to church or is not part of a faith community to talk about, this is how running has benefited my spiritual life these are the things that I can see that are better in my life because of it. You know, can we talk a little bit more about that? You know, kind of bridge that gap in in that kind of way. 
Yeah, and maybe even how we categorize people, which we shouldn't do, but we all do it. I was thinking of a particular friend I have who really has given up on church, but totally gets it. You know, he's very generous. He's always looking out for other people. He's in tune with the world around him. You know, he's very present with people. He's joyful. You know, he's a great guy to be around, you know. And then you think of kind of the church curmudgeon people who who think they're the ones that really get it and everybody else right. is, you know, the worst. And Dan's the worst. Well, Dan clearly <laughs> is the worst. We'll provide a footnote for that somewhere, yeah. a link. Um, yeah. But to think about that, to bridging the gap between those two clearly similar but dissimilar situations, right? Be, it like flips the who's in and who's out right. categories that we make up basically on their heads. And to say, well, what is going on with that? Because maybe the, the church curmudgeon people, maybe it really has become about place or about a way of doing it or being let down by other people that don't quite see it the way that they do. And then on the other hand, someone saying, well, you, I'm trying to live out and be a good person or, or try to find meaning and purpose in my life, but it ain't happening here. Right, right. And how could those two things be in conversation? Because it seems there's a lot of that. There is. You know, is. Or, or whatever happened, you know, you go through a tragedy and and you're mad at people and you're mad at God and you're mad at the world for, for the horrible thing that happened and you suffered through. And then people that seems that just rolls off them, the more stuff happens, they deal with it in, in a way you can't explain. Right. And some of those people are church people and some of those people aren't on, right. on yep. both ends of that. Yep. And how yep. could we bring those people into conversation with each other to see a bigger world maybe? Yeah, and, and I think that's a delicate thing. Totally. And it's a tricky thing, but I think it's a critical thing for us to continue to talk about and think about because I think it, it yeah people's lives are at stake, so to speak, when it comes to some of this stuff. Right. So what are some steps maybe you would think about in your own life of kind of bridging that gap between what we kind of consider sacred and what we kind of consider secular? Just for yourself. For myself, it is to be aware of what I consider spiritual and what I consider sacred and to be intentional about trying to bridge that gap to say, well, this is an activity or a, a time that I have traditionally thought as a secular activity, but where do I see God in this? And to find time to be able to connect with God, to to pray, to meditate, to think, and not necessarily... And I think the trick for me, and I think for a lot of pastors anyway, is to not make it, oh, I have some time here when I'm grocery shopping, I'm going to think about my sermon. It's, It's going to be more of a personal connection, not necessarily a work connection. And I think that is also a, a time that I need to be aware about as well, is it's not always thinking about the next sermon or the hospital visits or praying for people that I know that are in need for my congregation. It's it's where am I at in my relationship with God? Who are, you know, the other people in my life that I want to be praying for? Who are, you know, what are ways that I can grow deeper in my relationship with Christ in what I may consider a non-traditional 
spiritual practice or opportunity. How about you? Uh, I was thinking a little bit about uh, last year I went through some burnout, and I think one of the reasons why I was burning out is because I put the stakes so high on everything I was trying to do in a way that I, I kind of made it all about me, which was unhealthy. Tammy actually said to me, she's like, well, some days couldn't it just be a job? I mean, yeah, you work at church, but sometimes you're just doing work. That's okay. Yeah. That was really helpful. I found that to be liberating. That was a that was a spiritual release, and not in a. It's kind of backwards from a way that we kind of been talking yeah. a little bit, but it also made me open and aware of sometimes you just have chores that need to get done, and that's they're chores. Yeah. But then there's other things that you can take delight in doing, and you can see God working in that might have anything to do with work. Right. And that's okay too. Yeah. So there. <laughs> well, I think that's helpful because I think we can be. I think I was, I was over spiritualizing it. Over spiritualizing it. I think it's really yeah. what it comes down to is oh my gosh, if I don't put together this list the right way, the thing's going to fall apart on me. And then, and then, well, how good of a pastor am I going to be? Right, right. And he's like, well, maybe I just need to make a list so I don't forget anything. Right. And if right. I come back to it and some things are less important on the list and they can be dealt with another time, well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, People's spiritual lives are not on determined by whether you get a complete list or not a complete list. Correct. Yeah. Right. And then just starting to reimagine, I think, for myself a little bit, just how a community works is we're all kind of working stuff out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then where those places intersect, you've got some moments that you can make meaning together. And that's yeah. that's what it's about yeah. for me. I think that's helpful because I think for many of us too, we might have this, this concept, especially if we think about everyday spirituality. Well, do I need to be practicing my spirituality every day? Does it need to be perfect? Does it need to be exact? Does it need to be right. you know, deep and meaningful? No. This is, it, it, the point of it is not to bring you to a point of, of exhaustion when you think about spirituality, is to bring a little more awareness rather than just categorize it on a Sunday for one hour and to bring God into other aspects of your life that I think can be helpful, can be meaningful. Yeah, and I think making some space for those things that you do find beneficial both to you and to others, is worth making that time. So like yeah. I was thinking of the things on my list, things were stressing me out on that list, and things that I wanted to do were at the bottom of the list. Well, why couldn't I just move some of those things around? And if you start doing some of the more beneficial, more meaningful things, some of the other things start to take care of themselves a little right. bit right. easier. Even though it's still on the list, it's just helpful to shuffle the deck a little bit. Right. And especially... If God is working in everything anyway, at least for me, it was why why was I making such a big deal out of certain things and and less out of others when equalizing them a little bit was really kind of, kind of the balance I needed to, yeah. to find. Yep. Because it is just as important to be able to, and maybe you could argue more important, to, to go home every once in a while and see those people there. Yep. Then to finish the list. Right. That maybe right. that's the real calling of this moment. Yep. Yep. And it's helpful to, to keep learning those things. Yep. And to discern that and to say, right. this is what needs to be done now. You know, the rest I'll get to. Yeah. Or not. Or not. <laughs>
Well, thank you, Jeff, for this follow-up conversation. I have enjoyed both this and the conversation we had with Bishop Hazelwood, and we will have a, a link below to Bishop on a Bike if you want to learn a little bit more about everyday spirituality and what the bishop is doing. Uh, please check that out. And then the book itself is going to be available this coming August. So I know I'm looking forward to it and to share it with my church. And Dan is the worst. Dan is the worst. I don't want to name who's the worst, but Dan, you are the worst. (laughs) Come on, Dan. (laughs) And that will be a link, that video. It is a hilarious video of a preacher. Um, If you haven't seen it already, I suggest Uh, that you check it out. Just even mentioning it makes me happy. (laughs) But we are the Two Bald Pastors. We are here to help you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Take care. Have a great day. Be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Is there any more? (laughs) (laughs) I totally broke that apart. I don't know. (laughs) It seems to me, I... I, Seems that... uh, Blah, 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 blah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Just duty.